Hey, Senda. Hey, Phil. Um, I got like a couple of tweets with some questions and then I got like a really pressing, somewhat ridiculous question of my own. Um, <laughs> can we just throw them in a bag and make a show? Yeah, absolutely. Are, are you suggesting that we're going to put them in a bag and then grab them out of said bag? Uh, yes, I think that's exactly what I'm saying, that we should <laughs> have some sort of um, grab bag, 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 grabbing, bag, Don't grab stop. bag. Don't stop grab bagging. Don't stop grab bagging. <laughs> Hold on for another Cue the music. Cue the music. And welcome to another fine episode of Pants Talking Games. Uh, I'm your host, Phil... Um, who's got a really interesting math and cooking question that's going to take up one of our topics tonight. And I am your other host, Senda, who does cooking things mostly by instinct. <laughs> that may or may not help us tonight. It may or may not. <laughs> but anyway, we're not a cooking podcast. We're Yet. a tabletop RPG <laughs> podcast. So... We are actually going to talk about tabletop RPG stuff first, uh, but since this is a grab bag episode, um, if you're new, uh, these are not our normal um, episodes. Our normal episodes are usually centered on one topic that we discuss, uh, but grab bags are when we kind of start getting like a couple of questions and that none of them are really big enough to be a whole topic, but they're also good enough questions that we don't want to just let them pass by. Uh, so yes. we tend to collect them up um, and uh, and take them on. And so we had two questions come up today when we put out a call for ideas. And um, and then I'm just going to inject my ridiculous nonsense. It's um, pretty ridiculous. I'm not going to lie. It is. I'm going to inject my ridiculous nonsense at the end of the show. Good. But first, we should talk about tabletop role-playing stuff. And um, ADN David had a question on Twitter. What was that question? Yeah, Aideen David said, um, I'd love to hear more about the spark mechanic you have talked about in the past. Um, so we can definitely talk about it more. Um, just to make it clear right now, like this is a thing that is still in development. It's in like we've uh, we've messed with it a little bit. And of course, since there haven't been any conventions for the last year due to the global panorama, um, we haven't uh, tested anything further than where we were, right? So a, a, a touch of history on, on the yeah. spark mechanic. So the spark mechanic uh, arises from uh, our Ditch Lily game that we're designing. Yep. Right? Which specifically, just to further set the scene, we know that the Ditch Lilies are all disaster buy yes. um, or disaster pan. Um, and so part of... The genre that we have invented for them is basically um, Scooby-Doo slash 90s animated adult cartoons, not adult as an erotic, just like adult as in not aimed at children, um, with a lot of like disaster relationships constantly. Um, so that's like one of the genre tropes that we're creating. So this is a game that intentionally pushes the players to be potentially... Um, 
falling in and out of relationships constantly. Exactly. And so during playtesting, uh, we actually ran into, I ran into a case during playtesting where um, I had a, um, I had an NPC try to um, make a pass at one of the ditch lilies and the player just wasn't really down with that because they just didn't like the NPC. Yeah, which is completely fair. Right. And we wound up, and so then I wound up, so then I wound up doing something um, in retrospect um, was actually not good and is what actually led to the discussion about the need for a romance safety mechanic, which was in a later scene, I had that same character show up and try one more time. Yeah. To like to like and I I I don't remember which which of the lilies it was like which of the ditch lilies it was. I, I Oh, it was uh, Megan. It was Megan cuz Megan? Okay. Megan was out for a jog the second time this guy showed up. Oh, right. Yeah. And um and so we got to talking about like yes, it's a game about um disaster pan, disaster buy relationships and getting into stuff like that, but like what if a player isn't feeling it about a particular NPC? Like what do you do? And it also comes about from a thing where um, when when GMs are planning, like if a GM and I'm going to take this outside, the, I'm going to take it outside of the ditch lilies as well. But like when yeah. sometimes a GM will plan for um, a character to be a like romance interest. Right. Yeah. And if it doesn't connect, like they just kind of like sometimes like in a smarmy way, kind of like will like try Keep to push them. Yeah. Yeah. So all of that led us to um, discovering a need that we needed a um, we needed a romance based consent tool yeah that we could use in game to um, make sure that um, an NPC was good for uh, romance right right that that flirts were on. That, yeah, exactly. The flirts were on and 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 could proceed like even like from flirts to romance to whatever. Whatever. Okay. Yeah. So we we wound up calling the the mechanism um the spark mechanic or just spark. Mm-hmm. The spark. And yeah. Why don't you tell us like how the mechanic works? Yeah, so basically if you're in a scene and there's an NPC, it, it this is very ditchly specific, but it could, <laughs> you know, expand past this. But the initial case scenario is you're in a scene and um say you're the GM, you have a cool NPC, someone is playing a ditch lily and you're like this NPC is a potential love interest, right? Because pretty much any NPC is a potential love interest in the Ditch Lilies, and that's part of the exactly. reason that this has to exist, right? But so, like, okay, here's an NPC. Um, if you think that you might be reading a situation in which it would be interesting to have that disaster romance pan thing come up, um, then you as the GM can ask the player, mm-hmm. this is key, the player, not the character, the player, is there a spark. And what you're really saying um, when you say that, I mean, firstly, you're saying is like, do you think that it would be fun to play these characters out? Like on one level, you're saying, would it be fun for this romance to happen, right? But on another level, you're also saying, um, are you player comfortable with playing a romance between your character and this NPC, a potential romance, right? 
Um, so this is basically, it's table shorthand for covering multiple levels, like is this a story thing that you want to see? Are you as a player comfortable playing this out, etc.? Is there a spark between these two characters, right? And this is something that we very specifically take out to the player level, not the character level. Yeah. Because um, it's really important that at this point we're talking about safety and comfort of the players at the table, not necessarily prioritizing like whatever story the GM or other Immersion people at the table might want like to that. see. Yeah, romance wise, right? Because there's so many options for romance in the Ditch Lilies. Like the other thing about it is like if one person is honestly just not comfortable playing romance at the table, they can just be like, no, there's not, there's not a spark. There's not a spark. Like they never have to say that there's a spark and everybody else can be disastrous, right? Like it's fine. Um, but so that's the idea behind it is, is there a spark? If you, the player say yes, you are saying, yes, we can, you know, we can proceed. Um, you have my consent to proceed and like we can have the flirts or and like this can go as far as it goes. And of course, um, this is then bound by things like lines and veils that you set up at the beginning of your game. Right. But this is just the should we pursue? Yep. Should we pursue that storyline? If the answer is no, there's no romance. Like you just remove that part out. There's no flirts. There's no like innuendo, whatever, like that part of the relationship does not express. Um, in, in addition to that, because I, I, I'm i looking at the notes, in addition to that, that also signals that the GM cannot ask with that NPC again. Yes, again. The GM asks once per NPC. Yes. And that's also key, right? That's key that both the GM asks once and if the player says no, that character will not pursue any... Um, type of action that could be interpreted as basically hounding them for yep. trying to get flirts or relationship, right? Exactly. Um, so that's like, those are two key things. Firstly, the GM only asks once. Secondly, if the if there's a no, like anything that could be perceived as romance like that, you're not playing out. It's not romance, right? Um, the, the other key piece to this is that the player can change their mind at any time. Meaning that if this NPC sticks around for a while and they said no originally and they change their minds later and they're like, actually, now there's kind of a spark, right? They can still tell the GM at a later point, I think there's a spark here. But they could just initiate that without the GM asking even, but they can change their mind about a no answer. They can also, of course, and this is also key, change their mind about a yes answer, right? So if you have a romance going on, and there is any reason for it to turn into a no, if it was only at flirts and you're like, no, this isn't working for me. We're not going down this path anymore. Cool. There's no more spark. Like, we're not going to play that out anymore. Um, or, you know, maybe you got to romance with this character and you're like, this isn't working. You break up with that character. There's no more spark, right? Like, and that that might have emotional repercussions, but like, it means that there is no more romance pursuit, I think that's the correct way to say it, like the pursuit part, right? Exactly. So, um, yeah, does that kind of cover? Um, so everything? it does. I just want to highlight like, a few like, things. Like we ha- said, we're, we're kind of in development on this, so it's an ongoing no, evolution no. of how we express at the table. And I just want to make that really clear. Like this is not a, a completed t- tool, but feel free. <laughs> no, no. Um, so here's a few things about it, right? So first of all, first of all, you, you encapsulated it perfectly. Um, it is purposely very player centric, right? Yes. So 
we know that in role-playing games, there is an implied power dynamic between uh, facilitator GM and fellow player. In the current version of the Digital Lilies, there looks like there is a facilitator GM. That yeah. may or may not be true as we get yeah, we'll further <laughs> we as we get further into recently. it. It may not yeah. it may not be needed. It may remain. Um but we're not like we're not worrying about that part. So because there's an implied power dynamic between player and GM, the spark mechanic rests mostly in the hands of the player. And yeah. and the idea for that is to make the player uh, as comfortable as possible. So that the player never feels put upon, they don't feel pressed to have a romance with an NPC that the GM is trying to push into, like, into scenes, um, whatever. And, and so the whole idea becomes that the GM can ask, but only ask once, mm-hmm. but the player is free to change that answer later, right? So Brad the barista uh, makes a pass at Lily early on in the story and the player who's playing Lily is like, no, nah, there's no spark. Brad's still in the, like, it's fine. The GM's like, cool. And Brad's still now in the rest of the thing. But like after Brad helps out, like, um, you know, like fixing the van so that they could get to their gig, um, you know, the player who's playing Lily is like, you know, now that we've hung like out. Little- for a while with our, you know, el- yeah. up to our elbows in grease, like chatting. Actually, I'm feeling different about this Brad guy. Exactly. Yeah. So Brad remained, like, as a GM, as the NPC, Brad remains constant. Like, Brad is no longer romantically involved in, in Lily. But the second that Lily, the player who's playing Lily, says, you know what? I think there is a spark. Now like now we can like have romance occur in the game. So the whole idea, the whole intent of it is to be very player centric um, because um, GM has all sorts of NPCs they can go to. Um, They don't need to push an NPC, um, you know, onto players. It it really like um, it's one of those things, right? You can't plan for when it's going to click or what NPC it's going to click with or whatever. So uh, we want the player to have that power. Now, if you are looking to translate this into your own game, um, you are absolutely welcome to do so. Um, so if you're playing a D&D game and you've got a, um, you've got a player who's got a super flirty bard, right, um, who's getting into all sorts of trouble, um, you can use this mechanic, right? And you can even reverse this mechanic. Now, while we made it very player-centric where the player only asks, uh, or where the GM asks the player, in the Ditch Lilies, that works perfectly fine because the Ditch Lilies are kind of proactive characters. They're like, they're going to get into like yeah. messy relationships. It's it's like I said, part of the tropes that we're yeah. literally building for the game. Yeah. Right. Now, it works perfectly fine in reverse. A a player could certainly ask a GM, I'm feeling a spark with this NPC. And mm-hmm. maybe the GM wants to say no, right? Mm-hmm. Or yes. The GM gets to say no too. Right. Like when we presented it, we presented it very much GM to player, but this mechanic works this mechanic works 180 degrees. Like it works in the completely opposite direction. Yeah. So now, for instance, now let's say you have super flirty bard right um in your party um who is like trying to hit on you know like they're they're being a bard right 
this is like a good mechanic this for is a like bad stereotype of bards and the internet has decided anyway we're not going to go down that rabbit hole but as someone who has played bards in the past who did not seduce everything really what? i've seen you play i've seen you play games before <laughs> you really made a bard that didn't get into some sort of disaster yeah, she relationship? Was a kender no one would be in a relationship with her no, that's different all right let's just let all right first of all moving first right of all, along let's just pause for a moment <laughs> a kender bard yes were you doubling up on obnoxious uh it was the first character i ever played i had no idea all that, right, that all was right, all right. I'm, like I'm pushing this whole thing to the side all right forget forget <laughs> push that out of your mind for a second if you are playing a bard who happens to be flirty and <laughs> you. you want to um have that consent before you like you know before you become like the gross bard that hits on the you know like every barmaid or thing right yeah you can use this mechanic by saying to the gm like i see like i see the bartender um as they pass me the drink and i kind of give them the look is there a spark Mm -hmm. right and the gm could be like no the bartender is busy as hell they kind of look at you and like push your drink and give you a nod and send you on your way kind of thing right like Mm -hmm. like it's totally um it's totally it's totally fine. It works in both directions. It is a consent mechanic, right? It is what the purpose of it is to establish consent um, so that actions don't look um, stalkerish, um, smarmy, icky. Yeah. So and just to throw it out there. So the reason that we have this in addition to lines and veils and something like an X card is because romance is something that you usually want proactive consent for before you jump into it in a game. Um, and so this is specifically, it's basically a means of just having a specific conversation that is understood in, in brief words. Yep. It's um, a shorthand. So you have a shorthand for it um, to be like, do I have your consent proactively before we go down this path? No, cool, we're not doing it. Or yes, awesome, let's go. Right? Right. And the and so like in a lot of games, maybe you have romance come up in games sometimes. Yeah, maybe. So, yeah. Like I I mean I have a lot of I have a lot of RPGs I play where romance isn't even a thing. Um, <laughs> no, I mean you're the I mean look, you're the opposite. I you know, like look, I I mean uh, like we have, like I play some different oh. games. We play some different groups, right? So you know, I mean, for- can I can I just butt in here and say, so we're playing Once More Into the Void. I played Once More Into the Void, like the short version with my home crew. We ended up with a, a like a a poly like triad, a polyam triad, and then like. And then, like, the strange was the robot who kept appearing at the bottom of the bed to watch. Like, it was really awkward, but amazing. Yeah. I mean, I... Please my, carry on. <laughs> my, gaming group is, my gaming group is very different, right? Like, I'm yeah. playing DCC. Like, we don't have romance in DCC. We I'm don't have sad. romance in our Forbidden Lands game or I'm anything so like sad. that. I'm so sad. It's just that's the game I play with, with that group, and it's fine, right? Like, I, it's not a problem. The point being is that the reason this whole me- this mechanic came up is that the ditch lilies is very much a game that pushes on the tropes of like disaster romances and things like that. They're a rock band. 
They're yeah. in town. It's the 90s. Like, yeah. <laughs> they are disaster buy and pan characters. Like, they're, like, I mean, one of the things that we've always, like, you know, one of the things we've always known about the Digitalis is, like, they hook up with each other, you know, constantly. They hook up and like, break their up history. constantly. Yeah. Right. And, and also with people they've met in town, right? So those are all tropes of the game. So we very much needed a way to... um express that consent consent and like you said it's really just a shortcut like we don't yeah. like we could have just not had it and you could have just had this conversation yeah. but in it order might to happen kind of, a lot in the ditch lilies is the thing it's a streamlining tool it, it's not only it's not only just a streamlining tool it's also a thematic tool yeah right like like it's one thing to bolt on safety tools onto like onto the side of your game, but it's another thing to start building your games with your safety tools built into them. Yeah. Right. And, and th so this is part of the mechanics of the ditch lilies. Exactly. Right? So the spark mechanic is a integral part, but it is also transferable. So feel yeah. free, you know, um, David, if you, you know, if you Apply find a need you for will. it in your, you know, if you find a need for it in a D and D game, um, by all means, absolutely. Um, by all means, absolutely. Go ahead and use it. Um, yeah. we're going to, we're going to nail us... it down and codify it and all that in like when we work on the ditch lilies and get ready to publish it, but that's not going to be for a little while. Yeah. It's not going to be for a little while. So like anybody listening, if you end up employing this or something similar at your table, we would love to hear about your experiences using it because you're really play testing for us. So thanks. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> all right, cool. Cool first yeah. question. Cool first question. So our second question came from um, Mo T, the tabletop bellhop on Twitter. And he asked, what have you changed due to the pandemic and the lockdowns that you won't be changing back once things open up? Yeah. Right. Um, so <laughs> Mo wasn't super specific with this question. So we thought we would address it in two spheres, which is um, non-gaming related and mm -hmm. gaming related. Right. Since again... Shows primarily a tabletop RPG. Yeah, it's, it's probably going to be about like half and half this time. I don't know. It's fair, um, <laughs> but we thought we'd start with some non-gaming stuff first. Like, what things did we kind of uh, change during lockdown that we don't want to change back? Like, what was one of yours? Uh, so I make my own bread constantly, all the time. I don't buy bread anymore at the store. I don't ever want to again. Um, if I have to go back into the office five days a week, I'm not going to be able to, I'm going to have to make like a double batch on weekends, like, cause it's a long rise time, but and it's, it's a weird, it's a weird thing. And I know a lot of people started making bread during the pandemic, but like my bread is so good that I bought some store-bought bread the other day, like a couple of them, probably like six months ago. And I was like, no, no, this bread is fine. I remember really liking it before. And I tried it like because I just didn't have time to make bread or whatever. And I like ate it. And then I was like, never again. I will just continue to make my own bread forever. It's very easy. It's not expensive since I have a pound of yeast. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> um, and uh, so I buy my flour from Costco now. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. In large quantities. Yeah. What's that's that's like a really specific microcosm of things that changed in my life. I make my own bread. Uh what's something that you're gonna take forward? Uh so I'm I'm definitely gonna take uh better self care. Um I, mean, I was I was yeah. pretty bad at self care before yeah. the pandemic. Um yeah. 
and I got much better at um, I got much better at self care in terms of recognizing that um, it's not a one it's not a one um, one size fits all kind of yeah, thing. It's I have an evolving. I have constant, different right? self care mechanisms, um, and if one isn't working. Like I kind of hit the other ones like shopping is a self-care, um, reading, playing Minecraft, video games. Yeah. Um, what else? Um, oh, Tick-tock. like Star Trek has been a big. <laughs> What's that? TikTok. Oh, TikTok's a huge one, right? TikTok's a huge self-care thing. Um, all of those things. And so what I've just come to learn is that... Um, it's nice to actually spend some time doing self-care. Oh, my bike riding was another one. Yeah, bike self-care, right? I love bike riding. Um, yeah, you know, I picked up, I actually picked up like daily walking, which I haven't been doing because it's been gross here for forever because spring, which is weird because it's normally not like this. But like I walking like daily walks is not a thing I used to do. Um, it's now a thing that I do pretty consistently. It's very good. Yeah, yeah. I was I was really bad at self care. I mean, I think you know. Like I was like every mm-hmm. couple like every couple months I was ready to torch everything, right? Like torch yeah. shows, the comp like, you know, torch encoded all of that stuff, right? Like I was just I was very much teetering on the edge of burnout for a long time, um, heading into the pandemic. Yeah. Um and then I got much better at self care because um shit got a lot harder. Like, like self-care became paramount because it was like getting scary and stressful. And especially during those early days, um, it was really necessary to find ways to cope. So I did. How about you? What's another one? Um, um, this is also like all of my things are actually kind of fall under the umbrella of self-care. If you want to be more broad about it, because bread, (laughs) is self-care and also journaling is self-care like journaling both from the perspective of like um i have now played a bunch of single player games and really enjoyed them and we're gonna get to that in a second oh that's true you're right that's gaming okay backing it up but i also do personal journaling now and i have um revolutionized how i approach my day in terms of a like a to-do list from a to-do list perspective in that every morning i get up And I like have a ton of fun doing like my page layout spread for the day, which is just like a really engaging way to get my to-do list down on paper and prioritized, right? In a way that I review it as I'm doing it and like have everything set up because I have like my week, you know, is laid out, but sometimes I'm not always good at looking at my week. And so making a page spread for a to-do list um, forces me to look at it daily Which and actually good. remember and know it's great. And it engages all of my, you know, creative stuff in terms of like, um, putting things together on paper and like has fed a new, like, uh, reasonably priced give by myself treats hobby, which is like, Ooh, I bought more sticky notes. <laughs> like, Ooh, I bought more stickers. Ooh, you know, whatever. And and it's okay because like these things range from like, you know, two fifty to ten dollars, and I'm getting like one at a time. So like, there's no major investments. I can run to Michaels and get a thing, or I can be on Amazon getting something else and be like, and a little treat for me, you know, like, and it's not a big deal. And then I get something special, and it like lifts my spirits. So yeah, 
So journaling has been um, has been a thing, and I think I'm going to stick with it. I I literally just polished off over the course of March 19th to May 17th. I polished off an entire journal for the first time ever, like mm-hmm. the entire thing, cover to cover. It's awesome. Every page. So that's awesome and cool. Um, so this morning I started my new one and I laid everything out and I made my table of contents and I numbered all the pages and yep, it's good. It's exciting. It's good stuff. So anyway, um, why don't we then move right along to talking about things that we actually learned about gaming that we're going to keep bringing forward with us. Um, what's one of the things that you picked up gaming wise? So um, unlike you, uh, mm-hmm. When the pandemic struck, uh, I did not do a lot of online gaming. Yeah, hadn't before. Yeah. No, no, no. Like, I mean, I did like once in a blue moon. Like, you know, I wasn't running a podcast that like existed solely on <laughs> virtual, like virtual, virtual games tabletops. For yeah. five years. Yeah. So I, um, I, you know, like I had to learn, um, you know, I had to learn Roll20 and how to set up games for Roll20 and like how to use like um fog of war and um like how to put maps down and and how to create assets like online assets and everything for games um so um i so i now know how to do all that stuff and um i'm going to be keeping that going forward because while i'm really looking forward to having um face-to-face games one of my big hurdles for getting to game with all my other friends who don't live in Buffalo, like you and Schmitty and um, a whole host of people, was that I was like a little hung up on like not being very comfortable um, running games online. But since I'm now over that, thanks to the yeah. pandemic, yeah. Um, I Tri- plan trial by fire is what we call that. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't pretty at first, and I learned gradually. Like I didn't, you know, learn everything the first the first session. I kind of eased into it. But yeah, one of the things I'm going to do um, going forward is I'm going to keep a virtual game for my non uh, local peeps. Mm-hmm. Um, that's going to be that is definitely going to be a thing, so that I can actually uh, play games with you and other people because. Uh, I really enjoyed, uh, because I had to play online, suddenly I was like, oh, I could play with all sorts of people. Yeah, you're not limited geographically by who you can play with. Not that the people that you're playing with geographically close are like bad people to play with. No, I love my my local groups. Yeah, like you got a good crew, but like... It just means that you have other more options for other things. Like I'm, I am excited to continue playing once more into the void. Yeah, right? I gotta get that scheduled up again. I yes, please. Hadn't gotten it scheduled up yet, but we'll get it. We'll get it. We'll get it back and up and running. And but yeah, it's um, yeah, like that was definitely a thing that I learned during the pandemic that I I will not unlearn. Um, is that I I got comfortable not only not only did I understand like how Roll Twenty worked, but I also like got comfortable with. Um, running a game online and kind of just being able to check in on everybody and learning all the kinds of ins and outs. Like it takes more energy and all of those things. Yeah. So how to run it, what, what kind of time frames work better? Like all of that stuff. And we've exactly. talked about a bunch of it here too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So one of the things that I actually um, picked up was um, a variety of and this is interesting this is this blends into the journaling part right but so like a variety of asynchronous games right which means things that i'm playing online with people 
that we are not necessarily present at the same time playing simultaneously. Um, so a lot of letter writing games, a lot of play by post, a lot of like, let's write a story together. We go back and forth between the two characters. Um, that kind of thing um, really got me through a lot of the pandemic, <laughs> like a lot of the pandemic, so much of it. Um, because when you are in the middle of something intense like that, um, sometimes, you know, your energy levels vary throughout the day and all, all of that kind of stuff. Having something that you can turn to when you have high energy levels and engage with and then be able to like slow down on when you aren't engaging with it really strongly or whatever it is along those lines, um, I think was it was a really powerful tool. And like, I don't think I'm going to stop doing that kind of thing. Um, and part of that, which is even less synchronous because there's no one to synchronize with, is um, single player games, right? And I, I, I picked up a bunch of those, right? Like, so I, it started with, um, it started with Field Guide to Memory, and that was a really fantastic experience. And then I have taken that forward into several more. Um, and I intend to continue to do that. I'm waiting with bated breath for both. Um, oh boy, uh, the last will and testament, the last will and testament of Gideon Blythe, um, which is starting to feel pretty close. And then also um, uh, amending. Um, which is oh, way, yeah, yeah, yeah. way early on the Kickstarter because we weren't expecting fulfillment till July. Um, but they're already starting to fulfill stuff on that, which is uh, incredible. Um, so I'm very excited about that one. And then if you're into this kind of thing, then get on this quickly because I don't know how much longer the Kickstarter lasts for, but um, Gian Shim has another Kickstarter up right now. Oh, shoot. It's something about Shadow, but you're like a magician's apprentice trying to figure out what's going on by looking at their calendar. And it looks so cool. So like, get in on that now before that ends, because I am already like so excited about it. Um, but so journaling games, and then I've been playing Thousand Year Old Vampire. I played Press's Little Animal. Um, and I have some other ones lined up that I want to play, um, which that has just been really delightful, because again, it's something you can engage with kind of at your own pace whenever you want to. And so like somehow with Thousand Year Old Vampire, like I started really strong and then I've been slowing way down, but I'm like still excited about it. But I'm slowing way down in terms of how much time I'm spending on it. But I do want to get to the point where my poor vampire gets croaked. Anyway, um, yeah. What else? What else are you going to take away? Yeah. I mean, I'll just really quick say um, about your um, vampire thing is... <coughs> Right. Like, like I found during the pandemic, right. A, a self, um, a self care thing works for a while. And then when it doesn't work, you just got to rotate out to the next self care yeah, thing. So you just do whatever the, the next thing is. And so if it's not working anymore, then that's fine. But I'm like still swinging around to it occasionally, oh, but yeah, it, used, no. exactly. it used to be at like write one oh. to two entries a day. Oh, I remember. Now I'm like maybe an entry a week, right? Yep. Like it's, and it's fine. Like yep. it's not a problem. Absolutely. Because no one's waiting on me because it's just me. I am the only, I am only beholden to myself. Yeah. So the other thing that I picked up um, during lockdown that I'm, um, that I would like to see going forward is um, I like not being sick. Yeah. Not being sick is great. So, I, I mean, I'm not a person who's prone to getting sick in the first place, but because of the pandemic lockdown masks and the like, I honestly can't remember 
the last time I was sick. And I mean, I'm talking like, I think maybe 2019, (laughs) maybe 2018, right? Like, I honestly don't remember anymore. And um, I would like to see that trend continue. Uh, And the way I'd like to see that continue at the game table is that I would like the social contract of my gaming group to amend itself so that when we are feeling, one of us is feeling under the weather, when one of us has had a cold, has a cold, or recovering from a cold, that we either, uh, that person either games with a mask on, Mm-hmm. Or we switch temporarily to virtual. Yeah. Because we could just simply be like, oh, I'm coming down, I'm coming back from this cold. I feel kind of junky. Can we just play online this week? Yeah. And right? it's not a big deal. And I could to be switch. like, oh, uh, we could do that. Um, it, I mean, there's a little switch, right? Because either I have to start keeping a virtual tabletop for every one of my games uh, ready. Or I got to, you know, or I got to be able to play with some like, you know, cobbled together um, bits to play online. So I'm not 100% sure how I want to deal with that part yet. But um, I really do like the idea that if somebody had a cold and was like, oh, I'm recovering from a cold, I'm I'm fine to come to the game tonight, that they just put a mask on and come to the game. Yeah, I mean, for me, I'm also thinking about this in terms of conventions, because we all know that Concred is a thing. And like... I've come down with things at conventions because I've caught it at the convention and then been like, I remember one year at Origins, I was quite sick for a oh, day. Oh, I remember. I was not well. and But like, I was like on panels and stuff, so I didn't feel like I had a lot of options. But like going forward in that situation, I would just wear a mask. Like yeah. I would literally put on a mask. Like I'm not, this, this, this con crud stops with me. Yeah, I, w- I would really like to see the um, so it'll start at my game table with destigmatizing wearing masks when we're not feeling well, and then yeah, I agree. Like I think that my I think that my gaming I think that my convention kit for the future. Yeah, when gonna, one day I feel like going back to conventions, it's going to include a mask. Um, we'll include probably two, right? Uh, yeah, uh, like you know, one in a backup so that I can wash one at the end of each day and. Um, yeah you know, and have a fresh one to wear, you know, to the next day at the con. But I agree with you, right? Like, I think that, um, and again, I can easily do this at my table, and then I'll worry about the rest of the world later. But I really like the idea of just recognizing, like, oh, I'm feeling a little under the weather. I'm going to throw a mask on. I'm going to come over tonight. You guys good with that? Yeah, I'm totally good with that. Thank you for, like, thank you for doing that. Mm -hmm. Um, And also, that may... um, preclude us from canceling games right right like if somebody was like oh i'm I'm, like i'm feeling fine but like i just literally got over like this cold you know sometimes people be hesitant or like oh i'm starting to feel under the weather or whatever like you know maybe we'll just pass or whatever i really like the idea that like i'm just gonna throw a mask on and are you cool if i come over with a mask on and i'll be like yeah i'm like i'm totally cool or if i'm not like you know what why don't we just kick this game into virtual if you're up for playing, but you don't want to spread anything, I totally respect that. And um, we'll just kick this game into virtual and we'll play this week virtual. And if everybody's feeling fine next week, we'll you know bring it back to table. Yeah. 
Like, I think that's a thing that, um, I think that's a thing that needs to happen in the past. Um, I, I, in the past I canceled games because, you know, people, um, didn't want to come out and I am more than certain more than once somebody showed up to my home game, like having just quote, just gotten over a cold. Yeah. Um, and again, I'm pretty like, I'm not a person who gets sick very often, but other people at my table do. And so, um, that person, you know, who was just recovering may have gotten somebody else like Bob, um, sick at the table, (laughs) right? Like, um, and nobody wants, and nobody Nobody wants wants that. that. Nobody wants to share their germs, right? Yeah. It's a, it's a, it is a, a different type of polite respect that I think we would learn a lot from, um, because we're not very good at respecting, I don't know, public air well, space. You know, I, I, I mean, here's the thing. We don't I, have a culture of it here. Right. And I but would I also like think to keep it. Yeah. I mean, I also think that we just like, we were very blase about casual colds. Like, oh, yeah. like it's just a cold. I'm fine. Like, whatever. And then, you know, we just, you know, we have this terrible um american habit of like well it's fine i can just go to work with this cold right um, well it's i don't think it's a terrible habit i think it's well this gets well, it's way capitalism. down into politics right but yes yes uh, many people don't have a choice <laughs> no no and and that's and that's the problem right so the problem is is that because we aren't going to take the time off when we're sick we also often don't take the time off when we're in recreation yep. um, because we just like, we just don't like, like I mean, it's, I'm still it, doing my whole day because I already went through work the whole day. Right. It's been like, very, it, it's, it's very, for very bad reasons. It has been ingrained in us Americans to like, unless you are like, unless you have a fever, like dying. don't come to work. And I only say that because I have a job with sick days if you had a job with no sick days, then like people show up with fevers and stuff. Yes. And like that happens because people have to like go to work and survive. So not to get overly political here, but there has been this like play through mentality um, at cons, mm-hmm. at home games, like wherever, where it's like, well, I'm a little under the weather, but I'm, I'm good to rock and roll. And all I'm saying now is if you're still good to rock and roll, just slap a mask Put on a mask it. on. Yeah. Like just slap the mask on it. If and you then wanna I roll, then you don't put a have mask to, on it. If right. you want to, then you should have put a mask on it. Right. And then I don't have to deal with it later. Yes. Right. Which is just polite and respectful. It is polite and respectful. And so Good. I would like I would like my game group. And that's like, you know, I don't think it's gonna be a hard subject for us to broach. Um we all have we all have pretty much the same views during the pandemic, so I feel very um, confident that I can just bring this up to the group and they'll be like, nope, that makes sense. We should just do that. Yeah. So cool. That, that is a future discussion I will be having with my game group will be about how do we want to deal with um, illness, masks, face-to-face and virtual and virtual playing. Yeah. So the one other thing that I was just going to touch on briefly is an entire genre of games that I didn't know existed before the pandemic, which is virtual specific games, right? Games that are actually written to be played online and oh, don't yes. work in person like that's really cool and there's some great ones out there and i'm not going to stop playing them just because i can play in person again now right um because they're great yeah 
No, and yeah. and you know you like you did a lot with those, right? Like I mean, yeah, and it, like there's literally an entire genre of LARPs and like uh, you know called loags and and all sorts of stuff that I discovered, um, kind of falling into that research. Boy, I think I'm pulling a Chris, and like all of my devices are going off here, <clears throat> so that's my bad. I'm I'm sorry, um, but yeah, <laughs> virtual specific games is a thing. No, it's definitely a thing. And I mean, it was definitely part of the way. I mean, I remember I remember you having a whole there's ghosts in the discord phase like it's a really good game. It was. I They're played it with you. games, Dave. <laughs> yeah, there's good stuff. All right. So, yeah, Mo, those are some of the things that um, we have learned during pandemic that we're going to uh, take forward with us. And um, I- I'm sure some of you are all um, kind of starting to pick through what are your like pandemic lessons um, that you want, like pandemic lessons and habits and stuff that you want to bring forward with you. Yeah. Send uh, us a tweet on the Twitter and tell yeah, us, let us know. Tell us what you're doing. All right. I'm going to take a few minutes. Yes. I'm going to tell you here my comes ridiculous the wild thing one. Here. It's pretty ridiculous. All right. Let me just preface this by saying that yes. many times, nearly every time, that I run into a problem or somebody says to me, like, do you ever wonder how to like this, that, or whatever that like within a Google search, a page or two of a Google search, I have like found that somebody's already solved that solution. Uh-huh. Right. I know you've never read uh, any of the Amber series, but for those people like the older folks, like Google is like ghost wheel, right? Like it just searches through shadow till it finds the correct solution for whatever problem I have. But I have found a problem that I have not found a web page for. And this upsets me greatly because I am not the only person who has ever had this problem. Surely not. This is a kitchen problem and it is not <laughs> a sophisticated kitchen problem. So PK Sullivan, don't get snarky. Um, <laughs> P.K. Sullivan's like, you know, making cooking videos in his in maybe, his kitchen. Maybe and I he have, can answer it for you. And though, I have maybe much he's re- done the math. No, no, it's fine. I have much respect for this, but I'm talking about a little simpler thing here. And that is tonight, I was making my daughter and I tots and nugs, tater tots and chicken nuggets, uh-huh. right? Because it's a thing we've, it, we were in a rush tonight. Um, nobody really felt like cooking tots and nugs plus my daughter likes tots and nugs that kind of thing okay but here's the thing the tater tots cook at 450 degrees for like 20 minutes 20 25 depends on which brand of tater tots you're getting with don't get all over my case about it 450 Uh though chicken nuggets cook at like 375 Mm -hmm. for like 12 to 16 minutes I don't want to. I don't want to cook one and then the other because my daughter is not going to have anything to do with that, right? Mm-hmm. Like my, she has no patience. Um, she is not going to like wait for me to make tater tots and then wait for me to make chicken nuggets. Nor do I want my tater tots cold. I I like to eat my food hot out of the oven together. So, yes, so I want meal. all my food to finish cooking at the same time. Yes. So I was like, so so I do this all the time, right? So I, it's not the first time I've ever made tots and nugs. I'm a parent, right? Like I'm fully <laughs> capable of doing this. But I always do this like, I always wind up doing this algebra, like cooking algebra where I'm like, fine. Like I'm putting the tater tots in for the full time because one, I don't lower the temperature on tater tots because you want tater tots to be crispy. be crispy. And if you fuck with the temperature on tater tots, you get yeah, mushy tater tots crispy. and they're not good. Gross. Right. So 450 is our temperature. We're ride and die on 450. 
And so the tater tots are going in for 20 minutes. How long <laughs> do I put the chicken nuggets in so that I don't burn or desiccate them, but yet they're cooked warm and they come out at the same time as the tater tots? So what inevitably happens is I'm like, okay, tater tots going in for 20 minutes at 450, 12 minutes into their cooking, I'm going to throw the tray in with the chicken nuggets, close everything, and then pull them all out together. Right? I do that. So... I got to this thing where I was like, there's got to be a web page that does this math, right? Where I just am like, here's my two ingredients, right? 450 for 20 minutes, 375 for 15 minutes. Now, and and keep the 450 constant, right? Like hit a, like a checkbox and have it do the math that... At 450, you need like two thirds the time of 375, whatever, whatever. Uh uh. There's no web page. Well, I think part of the reason is like, I think it works for tots and nugs, right? Yeah. Because like they're both from Frozen and they are not dissimilar in terms of size sure, and whatever. thickness. But like if you were messing with um, the temperature slash time on like a frozen casserole versus like a chicken nugget, like, I don't know that you could, right? Like, you couldn't cut down the time. You would just burn the top and the outside, and then the inside would still be cold if you turned the oven temperature up. Well, so, right. So, that, like, so on the webpage, you got to be able to say, like, you got to be able to say, like, look. This, you um, must cook at this temperature, or this food is not going to come out right, so we're going to adjust down for this other thing or whatever it is. But also, there might be, again, and I, again, I'm no cook here, but there might be some calculus where we can be like, okay, look, we're going to cook these two things. And in this case, um, allow both temperatures to be adjusted. So they say, you know what? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to raise the pot pie yeah. by 25 degrees. Yep. And lower. <laughs> and 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 we're going to lower the temperature on the other thing. And you're going to cook the first one longer and the pot pie like a little bit longer because we, you know, or a little bit less because we raised whatever. Y- you see how I'm getting here? Mm-hmm. There needs to be some machine learning here. Yes. Right. There needs to be like so. So I tagged Google and and IBM uh, like on this because like I don't know why fucking Watson can't do this shit. And honestly, I don't know why Siri can't answer this thing. Oh, I said her name. Careful. I got. I got. I have like (laughs) four devices devices that are about to respond to you right now. There's like a phone, a watcher, an iPad, all within earshot, and I just said her name. But like, (laughs) I want to. She who shall not be named during podcast. I. I, I just like, I want to just be like, I can't say it, right? Like, hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then like, like hey, person. <laughs> right. Like, figure this out and then just have it come back and be like, yep, here's what you're going to do. Here's your cook plan. But it doesn't exist. So I inevitably just play this game where I have to do like this, like my own personal cooking algebra and just hope to God that I didn't either dry out those chicken nuggets or burn those tater tots or whatever. By the way, tonight I nailed it perfectly. Those chicken nuggets came out. They came out perfect. Um, so I was very pleased with that. Uh, but uh, all the I same. Will, so I will tell you, based on a quick Google search, when I looked, it looks like the uh, the air fryer may solve this problem for you. Uh, yeah, that will, and that would be fine, right? So if the air fryer, like a lot of people were like, air fryer, Phil, you got to yeah, get the air you fryer. You got to get the air fryer. Like, I know, I'm getting I know. the air fryer. <laughs> I'm getting the air fryer. Like, that's that's a thing. Um, 
But I just, here's the thing that bugs me, right? It's not really the math, right? Like I can do the stupid math. What bugs me is that for everything else I've ever, right. For everything else I've ever run into, like, like stupid shit, like, like, I don't know. How do you get like a wave and like, how do you get like, you know, a wave file into something else? Right. Like then you find like somebody made a page that converts that. Right. Like, like how do I get a MIDI into a wave? Right. And like you find some page. Yeah. That that totally does it for every one of those things that I've gone out onto Google for. Somebody has like been like, I got you, Phil. I can convert this thing for you. I have the, I have a calculator that will figure this out. Um, Oh, I know. Like there was one, one day where I had to like figure out, I had like, I had a, I was doing a conference call across like six time zones. Oh yeah. There's some great time zone calculators. Yeah. And there's like this, like you just put in the time zone and it's like, here's like, here's where they kind of line up. If you want to get people like not too late on like one side and not too early on the other. Right. Yeah, you right. know what I also use all the time? Um, yeah. The the Mood Fabric Circle Skirt Calculator, which just yeah. does the calculations of like, okay, like here's the here's your waist, so here's the radius yes. for the waist, and then here's for the length of the skirt, so like here's how you cut it. The purpose of the internet is to have solved mankind's deepest <laughs> problems, right? Circle skirts and how long to cook tots and nugs in the same oven. But nobody has tackled this I mean, calculator. The, so the funny thing is, this is where we get into my personal bread recipe. Speaking of bread again, I have actually messed with the time, the the <laughs> cooking temperature and time slightly because it used to be like a bull, like a big old bull. And it used to cook in a um a dutch oven but like that shape was so unwieldy and not necessarily useful for like sandwiches and yada 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 that instead i do it as two baguettes and um if i do it at the full temperature that the bull used to cook at then it uh gets very dark darker than i like it and so then i had to like mess with the temperature but also like there's a you know i I also put water in the oven because it has to cook while it's moist like there's all sorts of like adjustments that i've made and i'm also a high altitude chef so like yeah you have like you have a whole other difficulty yeah you have to yeah i'm cooking at sea level what's funny about this to me is like everything that i do in terms of this stuff is just sheer instinct at this point (laughs) Yeah, and I mean, and most of the time I get it right because I've been doing it a lot. Right, but and, that's just sheer luck. <laughs> and for this sixteen plus years, I've been making tots and nugs for my kids. I can do this math and land it almost every time. I am only annoyed at the fact that the calculator to exist. solve the problem doesn't exist. I am annoyed that somehow I found a problem that no one else in the universe seems to want to solve by <laughs> making a web page for, yeah. and that. Kind of freaks me out. Yep. I guess you should do a, you should build a website. No, I'm not. I'm not <laughs> designing a web page. And I, I don't know enough cooking to know how to do the math properly. For All right. All of that said, that's uh-huh. my, that's my little bit of ridiculousness. On that the was back your end rant. Show. That was your so little ranty, but it's fine. Yes. But we got to get out of the show. Yes, we the do. The way we get out of the show, because it is stupid late. It's late. Is, is that, um, I need you to tell me about another show on the Misdirected Mark Network, and then we'll head right into the closing. Yeah. Well, tonight I'm going to tell you about the Misdirected Mark podcast. I know that one's going to come as a surprise to you. It's a good one. 
on the Misdirected Mark podcast, Phil, Bob, and Jerry go live every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern to break down and get inside of games, game mastering, playing games, and game design in an effort to entertain and inform you. And if you are interested in this game that I just mentioned a bunch of times, Once More Into the Void, um, you should check out uh, last Tuesday's episode. I think I'm I'm calculating both in the future and the past now. Um, Last Tuesday's episode of Misdirected Mark, um, in which they... They uh, chatted with Jamie and Jason, who currently have the Kickstarter up for Once More Into the Void. Jamie is amazing, and their game is fantastic. So we're excited to see that in publication. Good stuff. Yes. Good stuff indeed. Say, Senda, where do people find us on the internet? Well, you can find us on Twitter at Pandas Talk Games. You can find us in the Misdirected Mark forums, which is forums.misdirectedmark.com, where you can also, BT dubs, find the Star Trek watch clubs. I totally just shared them with my coworkers today because he was like, I want the cut down versions. I was like, cool, you can just go watch them. <laughs> They're still there. Anyway, um, or you can drop us an email, panda at misdirectedmark.com. And Phil, once they find us in one of those places, what can they do with that information? Yeah, by all means, uh, send us your ideas, your thoughts, your questions, the topics in gaming that you would like to hear us talk about. Um, I do the spiel every week, so I'll keep it. I'll keep it short. Um, we like to uh, talk about things on the show that are going to be helpful to all of you. Um, we want um, your games to be better. And so if you have questions or thoughts or things like that, um, if you share them with us, we'll share our ideas about them and maybe that'll give you something to take with you to your next game and uh, make your game just that much better. Cause in the end, that is what all of this is about. In the end, it doesn't even matter. No, 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 it does matter. <laughs> it totally matters. In the end here, it totally matters. <laughs> Not a, that's a song and a little shtick from your group, but yeah, here... Yeah, but it matters. But, we care, here it and matters. it matters. Good. Yes. Carry on. If you like what we do here elsewhere on the Misdirected Mark Network, please consider supporting our Patreon campaign. Go to patreon.com slash MMP. Patrons get access to the Bamboo Lounge from this show, the after show from the Misdirected Mark, the Slack Room for Life, and occasionally other things in in non-pandemic times that we put out for our patrons. Those things are going to come back as we start to come back from pandemic. Um, Slack Room for Life is Chef's Kiss, C'est Magnifique. Um, great group of people. We have Friday uh, luncheons where if you're working from home or working virtually or don't mind, you know, calling in from work. Or you're um, or you're like in the UK where you're already done. <laughs> yeah, if you're done for the day because you're in the UK. Or yeah. Yeah. Um, you just join us on Fridays and hang out with us. Um, we eat lunch. We talk about all sorts of nonsense. Um, it's really just like a nice, it's been a nice way to stay connected to a whole bunch of people all through the pandemic. The rest of the Slack community is just equally wonderful as well. Um, and I enjoy that community immensely. If uh, you are already supporting the Patreon campaign, we um, are immensely grateful. It helps to keep the lights on and do uh, allow us to do the things that we do each week. Um, if you're unable to support the Patreon campaign, we understand completely. We just need a little help making sure other people find out about the show. Of course, you can just tell people about us, and we love that. That's actually um, great. <laughs> it's super helpful, right? Like, if you just tell your friends or post it on Twitter or something, super helpful. Um, 
we inevitably, every time somebody does that, we inevitably get a couple more listeners. Like, yeah. I don't know if you know. I don't know so if you guys know that. Makes me happy. <laughs> I don't know if you guys know that, but like when you throw one of those things out there or like when someone's like, hey, what are your favorite podcasts? And like you you put our names in there, like inevitably we get like more listeners and we appreciate that greatly. There's like one more thing you can do that like kind of just helps us get like people that you don't know that we don't know that we should both know. Right. Um, right, right. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Exactly. So if you would be so kind um, as to leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or the podcatcher of your choice, uh, every new review we get really does actually then encourage people to listen to the show, which is super duper exciting. And it leaves warm, fuzzy feelings inside of me. Just like when on Twitter, you're like, hey, this show is great. And I'm like, oh, I have warm, fuzzy feelings inside. This is the best. Um, yes. So so do that. And we much appreciate it. We much appreciate all the reviews that we already have. Uh, you guys all make my day pretty consistently so i appreciate it and i know phil does too even though we don't explode his phone anymore because of that one time that one time we don't <laughs> we don't we don't do it anymore we don't do that anymore <laughs> that's no good say senda show me your journal with all of your like cool things that you've done oh, in the past couple of months i'm so excited to show you what you got This show is a joint production of She's a Super Geek and Misdirected Mark Productions, the media arm of Encoded Designs. Yes, I have I have the waveforms. I should listen to that again. <laughs> Did you know? Well, you 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 moved away from Spotify as your primary music source, but they have the entire, all of the different Cowboy Bebop. You know how Hackers has like three soundtracks. Sure, Cowboy Bebop has like eight. <laughs> There's so many. Um, they have like the full compilation of all the Cowboy Bebop soundtracks now on Spotify, and sometimes I just put it on because it's just so fucking good. Now I have to go see. Mm-hmm. It's real. I feel like I really already good. put it in, but. We shouldn't be spending time on this right now. I mean, it's your fault. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, they, oh, it's so definitely needy. on here. I'll, I'll have to do it later. Oh, they, I see there's Tank right there. I could just play right now. All right. No. Okay. No. For another day. No. no. Another Come day, back. Highlander. I know. I'm like, maybe someday they'll get them across plus soundtrack on there because that one is also freaking amazing and she also did that one just saying oh there we go cool have you seen macross plus no i i watched the original but like i did not go yeah, like no, it's a it's just, it's just a movie it's a movie yeah and the reason that i like it of course is because there's like giant robots involved but mostly it's this mystery about an ai and also like this relationship thing Oh, yeah. I, you know what? I mean, oh, God, it's been I'm forever. totally into it. <laughs> and it has, it has, it has Yoko Kano music, like, as the AI doing, like, concert performances. It's really quite fantastic. Part of me wants to anyway. binge watch all of Robotech. <laughs>
like I just I mean I haven't watched it since I was a kid and I really like part of me is like is it really good like it was it was it was <laughs> I don't know it was is teenage it? feel good right like who knows what that means <sighs> all right okay we gotta do this yeah let's fire we it do up this thing hang on okay okay now go Bloop. cue music I'm getting us out cue music <laughs> boom boom Ah, yes. Say Senda. Um, do you... Oh, no. I I failed the whole thing. Yeah, you have to say show me first. Yeah. 